Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Last hope for today. I shared with you the true stories of two people who were changed forever when they put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them. The two people were Velma Barfield and John Newton. Now, obviously, there are thousands more like these two I told you about, and I'm sure most of you know someone who has been radically changed by trusting in Jesus Christ. I promised last week I would tell you about a man in the New Testament who probably had the most dramatic conversion experience of anyone, not only in the Bible, but in the entire world. And I know many of you have already guessed it is the Apostle Paul. I will be reading selections from the Life Application Bible today concerning the early life of Paul, his conversion experience, and then I will read to you several verses from some of the New Testament books that were authored by Paul regarding his early life. Paul was a very religious Jew. His training was the finest available. His intentions and efforts were sincere. He was a good Pharisee, knew the Bible, and sincerely believed that this Christian movement was dangerous to Judaism. Thus, Paul hated the Christian faith and persecuted Christians without mercy. Paul got permission to travel to Damascus in Syria to capture Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. But God stopped him in his tracks on the Damascus Road. Paul personally met Jesus Christ, and his life was never the same. The thorny issue of whether Gentile believers had to obey Jewish laws before they could become Christians caused many problems in the early church. Note, anyone who was not a Jew was a Gentile. So I'm a Gentile, and so are you if you were not born a Jew. Paul worked hard to convince the Jews that Gentiles were acceptable to God but he spent even more time convincing the Gentiles that they were acceptable to God. The lives Paul touched were changed and challenged by meeting Christ through him. Now I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. Paul was in complete agreement with the killing of Stephen, and Stephen was the first Christian martyr. A great wave of persecution of the believers began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, And everyone except the apostles fled into Judea and Samaria. But some godly Jews came and with great sorrow buried Stephen. Paul was like a wild man, going everywhere to devastate the believers, even entering private homes and dragging out men and women alike and jailing them. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere, preaching the good news about Jesus. And now I'm going to be reading from chapter 9, verses 1 through 31. But Paul, threatening with every breath and eager to destroy every Christian, went to the high priest in Jerusalem. He requested a letter addressed to synagogues in Damascus, requiring their cooperation in the persecution of any believers he found there, both men and women, so that he could bring them in chains to Jerusalem. As he was nearing Damascus on this mission, suddenly a brilliant light from heaven shined down upon him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Who is speaking, sir? Paul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and await my further instructions. The men with Paul stood speechless with surprise, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. 
As Paul picked himself up off the ground, he found that he was blind. He had to be led into Damascus and was there three days, blind, going without food and water all that time. Now there was in Damascus a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street and find the house of a man named Judas and ask there for Paul of Tarsus. He is praying to me right now. For I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and we hear that he has arrest warrants with him from the chief priests, authorizing him to arrest every believer in Damascus. But the Lord said, Go and do what I say. For Paul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the nations and before kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for me. So Ananias went over and found Paul and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Paul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit and get your sight back. Instantly, it was as though scales fell from his eyes and Paul could see and was immediately baptized. Then he ate and was strengthened. Paul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and went at once to the synagogue to tell everyone there the good news about Jesus, that he is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who persecuted Jesus' followers so bitterly in Jerusalem, they asked? And we understand that he came here to arrest them all and take them in chains to the chief priests. Paul became more and more fervent in his preaching, and the Damascus Jews couldn't withstand his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Christ. After a while, the Jewish leaders determined to kill him. But Paul was told about their plans, that they were watching the gates of the city day and night prepared to murder him. So during the night, some of his converts led him down in a basket through an opening in the city wall. Upon arrival in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was faking. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Paul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus, what the Lord had said to him, and all about his powerful preaching in the name of Jesus. Then they accepted him, and after that he was constantly with the believers and preached boldly in the name of the Lord. But then some Greek-speaking Jews with whom he had argued plotted to murder him. However, when the other believers heard about his danger, they took him to Caesarea and then sent him to his home in Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria and grew in strength and numbers. The believers learned how to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. During his life, Paul went on three missionary journeys, taking the good news about Jesus Christ to many places in the world. Something I read in conjunction with Paul's first missionary journey I want to share with you. Barnabas and his nephew, John Mark, started out on this journey with Paul. But John Mark left at the second stop and went back home to Jerusalem. A quote from there was that mistakes are effective teachers. Their consequences have a way of making lessons painfully clear. But those who learn from their mistakes are likely to develop wisdom. And I'm sure all of us have experienced some of those painful mistakes. And we have learned from our mistakes. Lessons that couldn't learn any way else except experiencing it. 
This held true for John Mark because he is also the same person who eventually wrote the Gospel of Mark, the material for which mainly came from Peter's account of being with Jesus. John Mark obviously learned from his mistakes and later served effectively with Barnabas, Paul, and Peter at different times. Paul was persecuted, imprisoned, he experienced storms, shipwrecks, rejection, ridicule, he was stoned and left for dead, but Paul never stopped telling the good news about Jesus Christ. Reading Paul's words as he was saying goodbye to the elders of Ephesus from Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 18, quote, You men know I have done the Lord's work humbly, yes, and with tears, and have faced grave danger from the plots of the Jews against my life. Yet I never shrunk from telling you the truth, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity of turning from sin to God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. And now I entrust you to God and His care and to His wonderful words, which are able to build your faith and give you all the inheritance of those who are set apart for Himself. And I was a constant example to you in helping the poor, for I remembered the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And now I would like to share with you one of my favorite passages from Charles Spurgeon's book, Evening by Evening, concerning doing the Lord's work. And I have probably read some of it to you before, and I'm sure I will read it to you again. But this is from Evening by Evening. In the evening of the day, opportunities are plentiful. Men return from their work, and the zealous soul winner finds time to share widely the love of Jesus. Do I have no evening work for Jesus? If I have not, let me no longer withhold my hand from a service that requires wholehearted endeavor. Sinners are perishing for lack of knowledge. He who loiters may find his shoes red with the blood of souls. Jesus gave both his hands to the nails. How can I keep back one of mine from his blessed work? Night and day he toiled and prayed for me. How can I give a single hour to the pampering of my body with luxurious ease? Up, lazy heart, stretch out your hand to work or lift it up to pray. Heaven and hell are serious. So must I be. And this evening I should sow good seed for the Lord my God. The evening of life also has its calls. Life is so short that a morning of manhood's strength and an evening of decay make up the whole of it. To some it seems long, but a dollar is a great sum of money to a poor man. Life is so brief that no man can afford to lose a day. It has been well said that if a great king were to bring us a heap of gold and bid us take as much as we could count in a day, we would make a long day of it. We would begin early in the morning, and in the evening we would not withhold our hand. As a matter of fact, I'm going to add this, that if somebody put me in a room with lots of money and said I could have all I counted in one day, I probably would not even go to the bathroom very much. I mean, I would just, I wouldn't even eat. I would just stay there and count and count. Back to Spurgeon, winning souls is far nobler work. So how is it that we quit so soon? Some are spared to a long evening of green old age. If such is my case, let me use any talents I still retain and serve my blessed and faithful Lord to the final hour. 
By his grace, I will die with my boots on and lay down my commission only when I lay down my body. Age may instruct the young, cheer the faint, and encourage the despondent. If evening has less stifling heat, it should have more calm wisdom. Therefore, in the evening, I will not withhold my hand. You may have heard the saying, I'd rather wear out than rust out. And when people retire from their jobs, they don't need to go home and sit in a chair and watch television. They need to be up and doing worthwhile things, things they were not able to do in their working years, volunteering in various church ministries that help those less fortunate. Statistics have shown that people living sedentary lives in retirement die sooner than those who are active. And I know many of you may be beyond the years when you can serve as a volunteer. If that is you, then please pray for willing workers so more people can be helped through soup kitchens, clothes closets, meals on wheels, and on and on. Paul certainly never stopped in his service to the Lord, and we should continue on as well. Paul's final recorded writing was a letter written from a Roman prison to his friend Timothy in which he gives helpful advice to him to remain solidly grounded in Christian service and to endure suffering. All believers need a strong foundation for their service because Christian service does not get easier as we grow older, and it will become no easier as we near the last days. And now I'm going to read to you some selected verses from 2 Timothy. Some that I've highlighted, I'm just going to go through this. I hope that you'll take the time and read Paul's letters to his friends. This is from 2 Timothy. For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. And remember, he's writing this to his friend Timothy. But it's also good for all of us believers. That is why I'm suffering here in jail because of preaching to the Gentiles. That's why I'm here suffering, and I'm certainly not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to safely guard all that I have given him until the day of his return. I am comforted by this truth, that when we suffer and die for Christ, it only means that we will begin living with him in heaven. And if we think that our present service for him is hard, just remember that someday we are going to sit with him and rule with him. But if we give up when we suffer and turn against Christ, then he must turn against us. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us, for he cannot disown us who are part of himself, and he will always carry out his promises to us. Remind your people of these great facts and command them in the name of the Lord not to argue over unimportant things. Such arguments are confusing and useless and even harmful. Work hard so God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines your work. Know what his work says and means. Steer clear of foolish discussions which lead people into the sin of anger with each other. God's truth stands firm like a great rock, and nothing can shake it. It is a foundation stone with these words written on it. The Lord knows those who are really his. And a person who calls himself a Christian should not be doing things that are wrong. Run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. Have faith and love and enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord and have pure hearts. And then those who decide to please Christ Jesus by living godly lives will suffer at the hands of those who hate him. But you must keep on believing the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those of us who have taught you. 
You know how, when you were a small child, you were taught the Holy Scriptures, and it is these that make you wise to accept God's salvation by trusting in Jesus Christ. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. Near the end of this letter, Paul says, I say this because I won't be around to help you very much longer. Bring others to Christ. Leave nothing undone that you ought to do. My time has almost run out. Very soon now I will be on my way to heaven. I have fought long and hard for my Lord, and through it all I have kept true to Him. And now the time has come for me to stop fighting and rest. In heaven a crown is waiting for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that great day of His return, and not just to me, but to all those whose lives show that they are eagerly looking forward to His coming back again. Henry and Richard Blackaby, in their book, The Experience, Day by Day with God, wrote, Those who hear the gospel, accept it, and grow in their faith are the people who make a difference in God's kingdom. Paul was certainly a man who made a difference in God's kingdom and left his mark on the world. If you have access to a Bible, I hope you will take the opportunity to read from Paul's writings. They are all wonderful, but I would point you to the book of Romans in particular as Paul's carefully presented statement of faith and how we should live as believers and followers of Christ. The theme of Romans can be found in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe it to heaven. This message was preached first to the Jews alone, but now everyone is invited to come to God in this same way. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. From the Blackaby Study Bible, an encounter in Acts 21.13, quote, Faith in God, trust His will is best, despite circumstances that suggest the contrary. Hope remains even when the comforts in life are taken for God's love remains. Confidence is strengthened by the knowledge that heaven waits for all who are faithful to the end. End of quote. Are you going through difficult or painful circumstances? Are you suffering almost more than you can bear? Don't lose faith. Hope in God. In closing, I'd like to read to you the words of a hymn, I Know Whom I Have Believed, written by Daniel Whittle, based on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I know not when my Lord may come, at night or noonday fair, nor if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. From Romans fifteen thirteen. So I pray for you that God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. 
I pray that God will help you overflow with hope in Him through the Holy Spirit's power within you. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I Listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 